0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 219 Green Connect, where we explore topics about the environment and green living in Northwest Indiana. I'm your host, Kathy Sipple, and my guest today is Colleen Wilder. Colleen is Assistant Professor of Information and Decision Science at Valparaiso University, and she has several of her students with her who worked on a very interesting project that I'd like Colleen to tell us about. Welcome, Colleen.
1: Uh, thank you, Kathy. Hello. Um, first of all, I'd really like to thank you for giving us this opportunity to um, chat with you today. Um, the project was, I teach a change management class, and uh, I was reading in a paper where a group of University of Chicago students won a contest. Uh, in fact, they won $10,000 in this contest for coming up with an idea of um promoting cricket cookies and uh, some other varieties of cookies. And when I first read this, I just thought, how awful. Um, Who's going to want to buy these? But then I started looking into the idea and came to the conclusion that it would be a great project for my um, class on change management, because um, it's obvious that there's going to be a lot of resistance to the idea. So um, I asked the students then to come up with a strategy to to change the menu items at a local restaurant so that they would include insects. Wow.
0: And we are not California. We are not New York. We are the Midwest. And even with that, we're not Chicago. So we're Northwest Indiana. (laughs) I got to hear from the students. How did that go and how receptive were you to to this mission to this project
1: Well, we have two projects here and they each had a different strategy. So, I'll ask the uh one group to do to explain what their strategy was, if you will, and if you would start with your name. So,
2: um I'm Rachel. Uh, I'm a business management major, um and we actually we uh, made a pizza. And we found cricket flour from the site, um, in California from Biddy Foods. It was only like twenty dollars for a twenty ounce like packet of flour. And it was actually it was actually pretty interesting trying to make make pizza. Um, if Ben, if you want to also talk about like how a process mm-hmm. was.
0: Yeah, I sure absolutely so, do. <laughs> I want yeah. to hear all about it. Mhm.
3: You know, it really was uh, very interesting, like Rachel was saying. Uh, my name is Ben, and really uh, with our strategy, we uh, the the product, I guess, that we incorporated the bugs with was a pizza because we felt that initially consumers would be less likely to adopt this product if it was very in their face and right off the bat. It was just our strategy. Um, so with that, we kind of felt that in the Valparaiso community as well as here at the university. Um, obviously, Kathy, like you were saying, it's not... It's not California or New York, and it's not even Chicago, so people here we thought would be pretty conservative in their views of eating insects, especially at a restaurant. Um, so our whole approach was kind of a little bit more moderated. We, we kind of spread things out over time with the idea that um, kind of easing consumers into this kind of product or this kind of food would be uh, an effective way of helping them adopt it over time. So starting out with something smaller that consumers couldn't see and then maybe moving into an item on a menu that was a lot more specific um, with, you know, a bug that maybe was present as a topping on a pizza or something like that. Um, so that was really what was driving our idea to use the pizza was because it was a lot more subtle off the bat and it kind of helped us push the nutritional values in a way that wasn't wasn't easily opposed right right away.
2: And we also have a very diverse uh um just a group of people here at Val Bradley University that we knew would kind of really want to experiment, too, with like going kind of, let's say, I don't know what the words I'm looking for, just really trying this new tactic Um, we are going to go with taste testing with, like, little bits and pieces and trying
3: the pizzas and all that, too. Yeah, exactly. We definitely felt that university students would be the change agents for eating insects in the community just because, you know, it's the youngest group of people. The group of people here are coming from all over the place. We have international students on campus, so it it would probably be the, the best target market working out uh, to introduce insects to just the general culinary environment in the community, so... Great. Well, that sounds like a great way to do it. I have to say I'm a big fan of pizza,
0: so I think you could totally sneak it in that way for me. (laughs) So, um, you know, I want to come back to this, whether it's now or later, just, you know, some of the benefits or the reasons why, you know, you thought that introducing, you know, crickets or other insects into, you know, Northwest Indiana's diet was a good idea. Um, I would imagine it's a pretty good source of protein and, readily available, kind of a sustainable food source. Did that enter into your your idea or your project at all?
1: We we had the benefits. We had another group that had a completely different strategy. I don't know okay. if you want to hear from that yeah. or you want to go yeah. to the benefits. Which way would you like to We
0: we can go back to the benefits. It. I'm just really curious about it, but let's let's roll right. out both of the projects. I think that'll give us a better framework for, for getting into benefits. So because go right they ahead. took
1: a different approach, which is why I selected the two. So if you guys Mm -hmm.
4: would introduce your strategy. Um, My name is Ayana, and for our strategy we decided to put all the insects just right on top of the dishes. Um, Most of them would be used as garnishes initially, and we felt that would be better because a lot of the group members thought it would be kind of a bad reputation to discreetly put the bugs in the dish if it's already going to be a lot of uh, hesitancy to eat them in the first place. So if someone finds out you snuck cricket powder into their pizza or their any other kind of dish that you want to use it in, they might take offense to that and just completely not want to eat at your restaurant anymore. But if you're very open and upfront about it, then we felt like it might it would be better marketing. And it, it would attract all the people who are in Northwest Indiana that want to try something different, try something adventurous, and then they'll share it with their friends and family.
5: And when we proposed, oh, I'm Nelson, by the way. When we uh, presented to the local restaurant owners, we created a um, proposed menu that consisted of what we considered were three tiers of insect dishes. Uh, The first tier would be where it's like a deep-fried tarantula, where the Mm -hmm. insect, or arachnid in this case, is the actual dish, so you are consuming only the tarantula. And then we would go on to, like, a BLT, where we we would put bee larvae as a garnish inside of a sandwich. And then the third tier is the most conservative, and that is where it's the cricket powder That's where the bug doesn't even appear anywhere on the dish. So that way we can appeal to hopefully different consumers, but our main target was the ones who are going to be willing to eat the insects on its
4: own. We also took the menu that they already had in place and just tried to make some alterations to that, so we so we can show the business owner how simple it would be to make the change to add the insects to the menu.
0: Very cool. So I'm just curious, what were some of the reactions from the the local restaurants that you approached?
1: Well, the, the the one that we approached um i i think he was open to the idea but cautious all the same and uh it didn't completely rule it out um they were aware that there are restaurants in chicago already doing this um, but, again, a little reserved about it, um, but didn't completely rule it out. And part of the change, um, getting making things happen, is to, you know, start with the awareness. And um, that's where the and, – and the students did quite a bit of time putting together what I considered a compelling argument on their part. And so I don't know if you want to go through the nutrition and the environment.
4: Um, to add to what the restaurant's thought. During the course of the development of the project, I actually went to the restaurant and talked to the chef. And we sat down and had a conversation about it, and I asked him, as the head chef, you make everything, you know everybody, you see the types of people that come to the restaurant. So what do you think, how it will be received at this particular establishment? And he said they have the kind of client base that would try everything once because they have a rotating menu. So each month, their menu is different, so everybody is accustomed to everything being different in the restaurant every each time they come in. So he said they might be hesitant at first, but they would try it at least once, and if it tastes good, they won't really care what's in it. And it, and I think that's the kind of client base that the restaurant needs to have if they want to start
3: developing um, any insect dishes.
0: Yeah, speaking
3: from that, coming from the conservative group even, like I I think I remember the the – Restaurant owner, uh, he noted that as his personal strategy, he would probably opt for uh, using the bugs as a straight-out uh, appetizer or like bar food we were talking about, you know, like something that was a lot more upfront, front um, because he thought that that might attract people to it or at least get it out there um, or openly maybe the way to go. So there was kind of a, a mix, I guess, of reactions mm-hmm. to it.
0: How many restaurants uh, did you end up speaking with?
1: Just
0: two, okay, and those were both uh, local here in Valparaiso. Yes. Okay. Are they brave enough to have mentioned, or would they prefer not to be mentioned? Well, you know, I point? did not hear back from them, okay. and so I would
1: rather not.
0: Okay, uh, you know, understandable. If you know, it's still kind of cutting edge, but I, I, uh, you know, I applaud them for taking the time to at least look at this. And so let me get back to the pizza group. I'll, I'll call you the pizza group. You mentioned to me uh, prior to starting the call that you had ordered some cricket flour from a a company called Biddy in San Francisco, and I actually had the pleasure of hearing Megan Miller, who is one of the founders of Biddy, speak at TEDx Manhattan, uh, changing the way we eat last year. We hosted a simulcast right there at your university. And I have to say, her segment was among... The most well received of all of the pieces that were, were aired that day. Uh, it was very interesting, and she really emphasized the sustainability. And also said that you know, in other parts of the world, this is not really a very weird thing. It's just kind of Americans are a little slow to to adopt to it. So, did you look at any international models? I know we've got some international business students. Is that right? Uh-huh.
1: Yes. We, we have. Who would like to field that question?
3: I think Rachel knows a lot about the, the okay. ordering, actually.
2: Um, I don't know, like we looked at some other places, like we looked at Thailand Unique. Um, but where we needed it, like we needed it within a week, and just um, that was just kind of hard, just for the time period we needed it in. Um, by the way, that was really another place we were looking in for like the price. Um, and then we were also actually looking at grasshopper salt for a lot of places, so that was really hard to find. Um, but that's why we kind of really also went with Biddy Foods.
0: Gotcha. Uh, speaking I, a
5: little bit, oops, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, well, I was just going to say, on the Biddy Foods um, website, I happened to click on the About tab in the team, and I see Tyler Florence, who is a pretty well-recognized chef, and so, I mean, for somebody from the Food Network to get behind such a company, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, the the kind of broader support that's wrapping itself around this. Just a yeah, comment, not it. really a question.
1: <laughs> you can go
0: on <laughs> with what you were going to do.
1: Well, and, and our student body is about 17% international students, I think um, is the latest number I've heard. And when we look at uh, worldwide what cultures do consume insects, I think it was roughly 80%. Can someone correct me on that? No,
4: that's
1: true. True. It was roughly 80% of the world. So we're in that minority, that 20% that does not consume uh, the insects.
5: And the, ne- the natural next question for that is why don't we consume it? So mm-hmm. we actually did a little bit of research and we found that Western culinary traditions um, spawned in colder areas and colder climates that typically don't have as many insects. So we had to revert to farming and eating farm animals, um, farm crops, things we're comfortable with. And we associated bugs with where we saw them, which was in decomposition. They're the bottom feeders, the scavengers, and we associate them with death and decomposition, not necessarily anything that we would want to cook and eat. Whereas in the rest of the world, in the warmer climates, they see bugs everywhere, not necessarily only when they're a pest or when there's death or decomposition. So it's just a whole different mindset that for some reason the Western tradition has yet to shake.
0: And another natural question that might arise <laughs> would be how was it? Did all four of you try your creations, your culinary creations and what was your impression?
4: We tried the pizza that the group made. We also had um chocolate dipped crickets and flavor like bacon flavor crickets <laughs> and the I think it was a brownie or protein bar that had crickets in it as well. Yeah. And we I tried every single one, and mentally it was very hard to get past the fact that I knew there were crickets in it. Even though there's, like, crickets and books in our food already and trace levels, it's still, like, a mental thing you have to get past. And I did not eat the just cricket with the flavor on it. Could not get myself <laughs> to just eat a straight-up cricket I did try the protein bar, and it just seemed really gritty. And I don't know if it was the type of bar it was or if it was the cricket or if it was just me freaking out that I was eating something with crickets in it. <laughs> um, but the pizza group, I like that they made, they made a regular pizza with just regular flour and a pizza with cricket flour, so they allowed you to try both. So you could compare right there what the difference was, if you noticed any at all. And I didn't notice any difference, which was nice that I could – have the nutritional benefits of crickets if I so chose, but I wouldn't have to know I was eating crickets.
0: So this is Ayana, correct? Yes. So you were in the group that went with the straight up, let's tell them that they're going to be crickets on the plate, and did that change the way you thought about your own proposal? Did you kind of tend toward the the other group's idea after your own experience?
4: No, I, I developed my idea from going to China, and having a lot of dishes just in general that I didn't know what they were. And I always asked before I ate what was this dish. And I guess I just had that mindset approaching this project, where even if it's something I don't necessarily feel enthusiastic about eating, I'd rather know what I'm
3: eating before I eat it. And I think to go Agreed. off of that, one of the things about um, having the cricket flour be something that's maybe not... Uh, obviously an insect you observe while you eat. The idea behind it wasn't really to hide that it was insects or like not tell people. The idea was to make it easier to get over that mental hump right at the beginning uh, so that people would start being more likely to accept it. Um, so that was one thing that was just interesting is it, it, it has everything to do with the way that, uh, like Nelson was saying, the way that Western culture views insects as edible or not edible and really not very much to do with the actual quality or the the benefits of the insects themselves and to
5: just speak to the taste of crickets they actually taste a lot like peanuts
3: mm-hmm.
5: so it's a pretty enjoyable flavor and pretty enjoyable texture it's just the mental image of you are putting a cricket in your mouth right
0: so i have to ask was it crunchy or what did you do did you fry the crickets with the bacon or how how did how were they prepared
1: Uh, You know, I actually went online again and purchased them to bring them to class, and so they were already prepared for us. Although, I will let you you know, one of the other professors on the faculty here has offered to prepare them for us. He has lived all around the world, and um, he has offered to prepare them if we would harvest them. (laughs) And I haven't taken him up on that offer yet
0: (laughs) Gotcha Well, you know, spring is upon us here And I'm sure crickets will be out in in force pretty soon And so do you think Do you see people eventually um, warming to this idea? And would there be cricket farms uh, Like there are (laughs) other types of animal farms? What do you think is the future for, for crickets And other insects in American cuisine?
1: Well, you know, I think one of the drivers behind uh, even entertaining the question here in the United States is that Uh, You know, there's a a statistic that is all over the place about the world population reaching 9 billion in 2050. And then the question is, how are we going to feed all those people? And so the answer is we have to look for some things we haven't looked at before. And um, the uh, FAO, which I think is the... Um, agriculture, organiz- the Farm and Agriculture Organization of the UN. Uh, they put out a, a very sizable booklet that one of the groups used as their resource, and um, and really they looked at it as we need to start asking this question because um, getting people over this fear of eating insects may take that long.
3: And I think in addition to that, um, the main driver in the short term behind it is people are going to need a really significant reason for why they would want to start including insects in their diet, whether it be a real passion for environmental causes, which I think would be influenced by a more wide acceptance of all other environmental issues to really put that issue as a prominent place in people's minds. And then also the nutritional benefits would be huge, um, because right now there's, I mean, you can get... A lot more protein and a couple other things out of eating insects specifically, but it's not like you couldn't obtain those things in your diet as well. You would you would really need a strong push or a, a force behind that. For I think those two reasons would be the main ones why people would switch.
5: And not that Ben or Professor Wilder are wrong, but I'm a little bit more optimistic as to the future of insect consumption in America. I personally, if I went to the bar tonight and they were, they had crickets in a bowl as, as as opposed to beer nuts, I would eat them. Like, I would be very open to consuming insects. I so think I'm the presence of beer, the
0: presence of beer might help me. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> the <Yeah>. bar food, <laughs> something yeah, the that accompanies company's is. beer would probably up up the uh, the pleasurability just a little bit. But it's really interesting. I mean, what what exposure did any of you have prior to this project with with this idea, uh, Ayana? It sounds like you'd done quite a bit of travel. Did you experience um, in China or anywhere else that you may have gone, did you witness you know, or experience other cultures that, that did uh, regularly eat insects? Uh,
4: well, I actually didn't intentionally eat any insects while I was abroad. Um, this was the, my first exposure to the concept of eating insects. I know other countries eat insects, but it never, like, crossed my mind that
5: maybe one day I would try them at all. I also went to China uh, with Ayana, although she traveled more than I did. And um, it really helped to break your mental block. Because when, you would, when you're when you over in, like, the area we were in, you would ask people, what am I eating? You would ask the locals that were serving you food what you're eating. And their, simple, their response is pretty simple. It would be beef or chicken or fish and they don't go to any specifics, and sometimes it's just completely wrong. So you'll be eating what they tell you is beef, and it's clearly not beef. So you just kind of have to eat it and see, judge it on its own rather than your own preconceived notions of what it should taste
4: like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there was also the issue of some dishes couldn't be translated into English. So even if they were trying to explain to you what the dish was, there was no way that it could be translated. So you just kind of had to take a leap of faith that you wouldn't die and that it would probably taste pretty good. So after, like, a month or so abroad, you just kind of get used to ask once. If you get
5: an
0: answer, if you don't, then okay.
5: And if the locals are smiling and laughing, then it's probably
0: not going to taste very good. Yes. Oh. Playing tricks on the, the tourists or something. Well, I, I commend both of you or all of you really for, for your, you know, just open-mindedness and for bringing change to our area. It sounds like a really fascinating class. So this was one project, one aspect of your class. What else do you feel like you learned, um, you know, going through this program and going through this experience? Anything broader about what you might bring into, you know, your life as you enter a job? Is is there kind of a way that you learned that helps you feel that you'll be able to affect change in an organization where you're employed or, you know, where perhaps you volunteer?
3: Yeah, I think uh, from a professional standpoint, with this project specifically and then also a couple other projects we did in that course, um, we learned a lot about relating things to a bigger picture, and then understanding how different multiple environments could be. So, like in in relation to the bugs project, for example, I think most people going into it, um, especially just as Americans that maybe hadn't traveled, uh, like some of the international business students had, or I mean, even if you have, depending on where you went. Um, you may not have understood or even considered the fact that eating insects is a very common, acceptable thing to do um, in other countries. So as you look at that on a more broad or general basis, just for change management, um, it becomes very important when you're looking at introducing a new idea or perhaps taking a different route in whatever industry you're in or perhaps you're working on a project that is going to inquire a fair amount of change within a course or uh, within your employment, whatever you're doing, Um, It's important to take a step back and look at what other cultures or other environments or other companies are doing um, to see if there's some relevance or some symmetry between what you're trying to do.
4: I feel like I learned to just be more open in general in the class because there's always going to be something changing and most people are probably going to be resistant to it. And I saw that in a lot of examples. Professor Wilder gave from her past working in the corporate world It just seemed like the simplest things she wanted to do, there was always people who just really didn't want to change that fought it. And then in the end, once you get people to be open, it's usually the best option to take the change course. And so I I just wanted to be open and patient from the course.
2: I feel like you have to kind of learn to take risks kind of being like with being open. Whether people will follow you or not, Sometimes the, war, the risk is worth it, and just just sometimes you'll make mistakes, sometimes you won't. Just take that risk.
5: We also learned that different ideas aren't necessarily wrong, because even if you look in the group we have now, we have two very different ideas, and yet we agree on almost everything.
0: So building bridges... Kind of formulating trials with one another, looking at at both both ideas. It sounds like everybody liked the pizza. <laughs> and okay. honestly, I I think I'm going to be ordering some cricket flour after this. You've 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 changed one person at least. <laughs> so okay. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for sharing your experiences and you know and your wisdom and just your open mindedness. This has really been great uh, to have all of you. And I know that you are not even in school right now. You've done this on your own time, so I even appreciate it more greatly. So I just want to give a few closing comments and uh, just let you know that if you're just tuning in, you've been listening to another episode of 219 Green Connect. This is Kathy Sipple. And we talk about uh, the environment and green living in Northwest Indiana. You can find all of our past archived shows on blogtalkradio.com forward slash 219 Green Connect, or you can get to the podcast player directly from our website, 219greenconnect.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope that you'll subscribe and tune in. We've got all kinds of other uh, great episodes out there one that relates a little bit to today's topic was uh, the one that deals with the local food summit that will be held Friday, April 24th at Valparaiso University. And uh, the local food summit is a follow-up on the local food plan that was drawn up by NERPC, our regional planning commission, several years ago. And so I think that insects and looking at things like that could be an important part of our local food web. So I hope that, you know, this initial Kick off from you, we'll get the conversation rolling on that. So if anybody's interested, you can find out more about that event by going to NIRPC, .dot and go to the events calendar, look for Local Food Summit on April 24th. Again, this is Kathy Civil, and my guests today have been uh, Professor Colleen Wilder and four of her students, Rachel Laveau, Ben Crow, Nelson Wagner, and Ayanna Harris. So thank you so much, all of you, for joining us. And thank you also to our sponsor who underwrites the show and makes this just a little bit more doable. Uh, Metro Recycling is our, our sponsor I'd like to thank, where you can recycle more than what you can do with regular curbside programs. You can think outside the blue box, and you can recycle even vinyl siding and PVC pipes. What's better is that they actually pay you to recycle. You can take your materials into one of their three convenient recycling locations. Just go to com and you can find out all the details. That's it for today's show. I want to thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Kathy.
0: Thank you.